If you have your Bibles, turn with me please to the book of Joshua and chapter 14. Joshua and chapter 14. Okay, Joshua chapter 14, and beginning to read at verse 6. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am this day, 85 years old. As yet, I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me, just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there, And that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me. And I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb the son of Jephunneh as an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite to this day. Because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of Hebron formerly was Kiriath Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim. Then the land had rest from war. Please keep your Bible open there. I expect you've all heard of Oscar Schindler, the uh, the man who rescued Jewish people uh, in the war uh, in, in amazing ways, rescuing them as he worked for the Germans. But I wonder if you've ever heard of, I think I'm pronouncing his name right, Hayun Sugihara. I doubt many of you have done. Uh, He was a Japanese Schindler. 
He worked for the uh, Imperial Census in Lithuania. Uh, he was a Japanese uh, man working at the embassy there. And he was in charge of writing and distributing visas. And at the time, at the beginning of the war, many Jews were, of course, fleeing Poland and trying to get into other countries for safety. But most countries had their doors closed to the Jewish people. Tragically, that was the case. However, this man, Sugihara, he claimed he didn't have clear enough instructions from the Japanese. And so he wrote visas for thousands and thousands and thousands of Jewish people until 1940 when they shut down his embassy that he was working in. He worked 20 hours a day to write visas for the Jewish people and they reckon that in the short space of time he saved between 6,000 and 10,000 Jewish people. And got them 10-day visas to Japan where they could either then end up staying or moving on to another country. You know, it's an amazing thing, isn't it? Every generation has unsung heroes whose stories we rarely hear. And one of the unsung heroes, I think, in the Bible is a man called Caleb. Now, who was Caleb? Well, he was one of the 12 spies who Moses sent into the promised land to scout the promised land before the conquest was going to take place under the leadership of Joshua. We read about this back in Numbers chapter 13 and 14. And he was one of the two spies, the other being Joshua, whose book this is, who brought back a good report of the land to the children of Israel. Uh, The others brought back a bad report and discouraged the Jews from trying to take the land. But he brought back a good report. And he's a very interesting chap. Actually, you may be surprised to know, although he is uh, mentioned among the tribe of Judah, and he's uh, uh, associated with Judah both in the book of Joshua and in the book of Chronicles, He actually is of Gentile descent because he says he's the son of Jephunneh who was the Kenazite. Now the Kenazites weren't Jews, they were Gentiles. And yet like Ruth or like uh, Uriah the Hittite, he found his place by faith among the Jewish people. He believed in the Jewish God. And so in many ways, he's a wonderful picture of Gentile Christians being grafted in. Uh, Like Paul says in Ephesians 2.19, that in past times, we were without hope and without God in the world. We were out strangers to the covenant of promise. But now through the Lord Jesus Christ, we've been brought near. And uh, Caleb was one of those in that sort of situation. And his family grew up uh, in Egypt with Israel. And when they came out of Israel, out of Egypt, he came out with with him, with them. And he truly is an inspiring character in terms of his walk with the Lord. One of the most beautiful things said about him is in the book of Numbers, chapter 14, verse 24, which says, and this is God speaking, he was a man of a different spirit, a different spirit. You know, isn't that a lovely thing? You, you meet some people sometimes, you know, yeah, there's something different about that guy. There's something different. Well, that's what the Lord said about Caleb. He had a different spirit in him. And therefore, he had a claim 
in the promised land, whereas the others didn't. It's interesting when we have the land division of the land of the land of Israel, and this chapter falls into that part of the book of Joshua. The first twelve chapters are about the conquest of the land, and then the last twelve really are about the division and, and settling of the land. The first man to receive his inheritance is Caleb, and the last man to receive his inheritance is Joshua, the two spies. One in chapter 12, uh, 14, one in chapter 19. And I want us to have a look at Caleb tonight because, as I say, he's an inspiring character. And that's what we could do with. We could have a look at somebody who helps us to become brighter in our witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we're all called to be the Lord's witnesses, all of us. And our lives are called to be a part of the evidence. So let's have a look at this man and see what we can learn to help us spiritually in our walk with the Lord. I want you to see four things. First of all, he was a man with a claim. A man with a claim in verses 6 to 9. It says, Then the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. And then he goes on and talks about how God had promised him the land. You know, it's interesting, when you study the name Caleb, the name Caleb is uh, given a number of different interpretations. If you look at Young's Concordance, uh, it is said to mean bold or impetuous. But if you look at others, such as Nicholson's Bible uh, commentary and other sources, the name Caleb is said to mean a dog. And that would actually be true to him being a Gentile. And he was a man who was called by name a dog. Now, if you think about it, I think that's an amazing name for Caleb. Because a dog is a, is a creature of great faith in the word of its owner. Now, I'm talking generally here, okay? So <laughs> okay. Uh, I do remember this, this funny incident. Samuel and I were on holiday. We were, we were all on holiday imbued once, and we saw this man uh, scolding his dog, and he said to his dog, Do you understand? And Samuel wanted to say, No, he doesn't. <laughs> I said, Don't do that. But, you know, sometimes a dog, when, when you go into a shop, say, you tie your dog up outside the shop, and you say to your dog, Wait here, I'll be back. Your dog doesn't know where you've gone. He doesn't know how long you're going to be gone. All he knows is you're out of sight and he's waiting for you. You see a good, patient dog outside and that dog's got faith in the word of his master that he's coming back. You know, that's what Caleb was like with the promise of God. God had given him a promise to the, to the land uh, that he would have that part of the land which he scouted out. And so he was a man who had a claim and he had held on to that promise for 45 years, 40 to 45 years, to come into the land now and claim that promise. And this is what we see him doing in this part, opening part of the portion here. As I said, they started dividing up the land and some of the land was being apportioned by lot. As we read uh, at the end of chapter 19, how they sat in the door of the tabernacle and drew lots for the different tribes. But God had given him a land grant for a specific piece of land called Hebron, the city which was uh, where Abraham was buried. 
And uh, this was the land which he himself had scouted out. And so he comes to Joshua in Gilgal where the uh, tabernacle was. And he comes with this claim. And he says, you know the word of the Lord. And he rests his claim on the word of God. That's a good illustration, isn't it? You know, our, 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 our claims and the promises of God must always be scriptural. You know, some people claim things that are never even in the Bible. <laughs> and we've got to be careful about that. We, if we're going to be like those, if we're going to sing standing on the promises, let's make sure those are biblical promises. That's what Caleb did. He said, you know the word of the Lord, uh, which he said to Moses, the man of God. And I like the way he reverently speaks about Moses. He calls him the man of God in verse 6 and the servant of the Lord in verse 7. Those are the two great names for Moses. But he said, you know that word uh, that was spoken concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea, the place where the spies brought back the, the bad report. And he came with the people of Judah to claim this promise. And he's, he wants to receive that land, and so he presents his request to Joshua at this place, at this point. Do you know I find that tremendously inspiring? He was a man who had a claim on the promises of God and wasn't afraid to hold up the promise and says, "This is God's word. I reverently expect it to come true, and I ask for it to come true." You know that's what we're called to be and to do as God's children. You know, believers in the promises of God. You know, Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1 that this is a part of the victorious Christian life, if I can put it like that. In 2 Peter 1, he says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Now, listen carefully. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. That through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped corruption that is in the world through lost. Now I know that there's a lot there to digest. But you picked out that bit didn't you. About the exceedingly great and precious promises. And through these we uh, gain victory in the Christian life. We need to be like Moses, uh, like Caleb and be people who take up the promises of God for our Christian lives. You know, the Bible is a promise book. It's a promise book all the way through. I mean, some of them you know already off by heart. Uh, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God says that. And, you know, sometimes we don't feel the Lord with us. Sometimes it's like the Lord asleep in the boat in the midst of the storm. And you think, don't you care if we drown? <laughs> but he's there and he does care. He's still in sovereign control. It's our feelings that are running away. It's not the Lord who's running away. And uh, he, is, he is still faithful. We have that promise. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. We have his promises of provision, don't we? As well as his presence uh, in our lives. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given unto you. Now, you've got to follow the order. It's not just, you know, blab it and grab it. It's seek first his kingdom and then his righteousness. And these things will be given unto you. 
there's a promise there for us, for our provision. We have the promise of guidance in in Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he shall, not might, shall direct your paths. That's the promise of the word of God. And we can go on. There are many great promises that we need to be building our lives on and respectfully claiming in prayer. You know, D.L. Moody once worked for a clerk in a bank who he watched uh, marking all the notes as they came through. And he had a red pen and he marked some D, some B, some G. And he said to him, what are you doing? And he said, I'm marking all these banknotes. He said, uh, he said well, what does, what does the letter stand for? He said, well, D is doubtful. I'm doubtful whether it's a true banknote. I think it could be a forgery. B is definitely bad and G is good. And D.L. Moody says, you know what? I see some Christians like that with their Bibles. And they read the promises of God and they say, mm, that's doubtful. That's a bad promise. That's a good one. And it shouldn't be like that, should it? We should respectfully hold on to all the promises of God. Even in this book, in Joshua 21. Do you know what it says later on, chapter 21, verse 45? It says, Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. They're all good promises. And so Caleb was a man who was able to claim them. And you know what I think is the secret was his heart because his heart was right with God. This is what uh, came out in the reading in verse 7. He says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. His heart was on the Lord and obeying God and the promises and he knew they could easily conquer the land because God had said that he would go before them as we saw in the words of Moses this morning uh, to drive out the people of Canaan before them and he believed it in his heart you know what if you go down the uh, to a, a, a big power plant electricity power plant a nuclear power plant or something like that you'll see a place where they are generating mega 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 tons of power that power comes through the cables to our homes and there's a little white box on the wall and you have your computer or your kettle or whatever and you go to plug it in but there's one thing which if that blows you can't access all that power it's the fuse the fuse inside they have to make fuses of low resistance metal so it can let the fuse let the power flow through if they make it of high resistance metal the power can't get through and that's when you blow a fuse now I want you to think about this Caleb's heart had low resistance metal he was accessing the power of God he believed in the promise of God And therefore he was able to claim the promise and say, I've come to claim that word which I know is true. I wonder what your heart is like. Do you have high resistance to God's promises? Do you mark them doubtful, bad, good? Or do you say, I rest on them? They're the word of God and I respectfully claim them in prayer. 
Let's be people like Caleb who had a, uh, a, a, a walk in faith and a man who had a claim on the promises of God. Second thing we see about Caleb is that he was a man with a commitment. And he's, he's famous for this sentence in verse 8. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. And it's repeated in verse 9. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. Caleb was a man with commitment. He was committed to the Lord. Do you know six times in the Bible it says he wholly followed the Lord his God. It says it three times, uh, I think twice in the book of uh, Numbers. In fact, let me give it to you. Numbers 14.24, Numbers 32 verse 12. Then it's repeated in Deuteronomy 1 verse 36. And three times in this portion that we have here, verse 8, 9 and 14. Six times it says that he was a man who wholly followed the Lord, his God. Or as it says, I think in the NIV, wholeheartedly followed the Lord, his God. He was a man who was committed to the Lord. You know, D.L. Moody was inspired as a younger man, a younger preacher, by listening to a man called Henry Varley. And on one occasion, Henry Varley made this statement. He said, it remains to be seen what God will do with a man who gives himself up wholly to him. And D.L. Moody, when he heard that, went away and prayed. He said, under God. I will be that man. And he gave himself wholly to the Lord. And the Lord picked him up and used him. But you know what? This is what Caleb was like. He was a man who was wholly following the Lord his God. He wasn't half-heartedly following the Lord. He was wholly following the Lord. Can I put it like this? God had all of him. God had all of him. There was no areas in Caleb's life where he's saying, God, you don't own that. I once heard a preacher put it like this. He said, are you willing to write, sign a check, as it were, not a real check, but in your heart, sign a check and leave it blank and say to God, fill in whatever you want. Now, some people say, that's a dangerous thing. If you do that, God might ask you to be a missionary. He might. But you know what Caleb was willing to do? He was willing to sign the check and say, God, you fill in whatever you want of me. I wholly follow you. And he laid it all before God. And this was the secret of his success. He was a man who wholly followed the Lord, who was his God. You notice in verse 8, he says he's the Lord, my God. I like that. In verse 9, it's Moses speaking, and Moses says, he's the Lord my God. He was Moses' God too. The third time it said, in verse 14, he sa- it says, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. But the first one is perhaps the most important to Caleb. He was his God, and he was committed to whatever he wanted. And that's what I think we really can learn from Caleb tonight. You know, a lot of us, 
are not wholehearted Christians, are we? We're half-hearted in our life for the Lord and in our service for him. We're not willing to surrender all to follow the Lord Jesus and to go with him in life. George Campbell Morgan, my grandfather's favourite preacher, he once made this shocking statement, but I've thought about this and I believe it's true. He said, lukewarmness is the worst form of blasphemy. Lukewarmness is the worst form of blasphemy. They say, oh, no, 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 no. I'm sure there's worse blasphemies outside that the atheists commit. Oh, no. No. I'll tell you why. See, the atheist doesn't believe in God, so he says. And so for him to blaspheme, he's blaspheming somebody who doesn't believe in God. He doesn't, he's blaspheming a God he doesn't believe in. But a lukewarm Christian, do you know what they're saying? They're saying to God, yeah, I believe in you. You just don't excite me. You just don't excite me. And I'm really not bothered about giving you everything. George Campbell Morgan says, lukewarmness is the worst form of blasphemy. What a challenge for all of us. We need to be people of greater commitment to the Lord our God. This will build us up in our faith and in our walk with the Lord and make us brighter saints for the world outside to see. I love that story about the man who was walking around a village one day and he asked somebody who was working in the garden and uh, he said, excuse me, in this village were there any great men born? And the old man, without even looking up, said, no, just babies. (laughs) And he's right, isn't he? Nobody's born a great man, but you become one over time as you grow. And Caleb grew into a man of God as he wholeheartedly followed the Lord his God. So I hope you and I can be inspired tonight to be like Caleb and uh, be a person who says, I'm going to wholly follow the Lord my God. Thirdly, we see he was a man of consistency. And this comes out in verses 10 to 11. He says this, and now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am this day, 85 years old. As yet, I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me, just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. If you go to Nova Scotia, Nova, Nova, Scotia, Nova Scotia, I think that's how you pronounce it, in America, you'll find a, a grave there to a man by the name of Ezekiel Ackle. And it says, here lies Ezekiel Ackle, age 102. And underneath his wife had written on there, the good die young. <laughs> so think about it uh, so some people live a long time but they're not consistent are they they don't have a consistent walk or a consistent strength from God but that wasn't Caleb Caleb was a man who lived to this stage to be 85 years old in fact if I understand him rightly at the end of verse 10 he said I am this day 
85 years old. This was his 85th birthday. This was the day that they were presenting the claim. That's the view of various Bible scholars uh, on the subject, that this was his birthday that he was presenting his claim before Joshua. And he says, I am this day as strong as I was 45 years ago, when I was just 40 years And uh, the Lord has kept me. In fact, it's such a remarkable thing. He says in verse 10, and now behold. In other words, that's one of those clanging, you know, you hear a bell go off when you hear the word behold. It's a wake up call. Behold, here I am today. Uh, The Lord has kept me alive. All those years wandering in the wilderness with the grumbling Israelites, all those plagues and judgments, they never struck Caleb because God protected him. And by this time, there had been seven years' war in Canaan as they'd conquered the land. And all those seven years' war, God had protected him. And God had kept him alive these 45 years based on that promise. In fact, it was impossible for Caleb to die. I bet he was the most fearless soldier because he knew he had a promise to claim. Like Peter, who knew that he couldn't die because the Lord had said how he was going to die in John 21. And uh, what a remarkable thing it was. But the thing I want you to see is that in verse 11, he says, I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. He was consistent in his strength. And you know what? That's something for all of us to aspire to as well. Now, health reasons, we may not physically be as consistently strong as we were when we were young. Although, I have to say, in Union Chapel, we have people in their 80s who are remarkable. You know, I hope she's not here tonight, but I think Margaret Weeks is, <laughs> is bionic in <laughs> what she manages to do in a week. Uh, and I think it's amazing. And lots of other people too. But This is something we can apply to ourselves spiritually. Are we as strong now as we were earlier on in our Christian life? You know, we want to be, don't we? We want to be consistently strong, burning on with the Lord Jesus Christ, going on with him, not slowing down. Man went to the doctor's one day and uh, he was complaining about his fatigue and the doctor looked at his diary and he said, you need to slow down. He said, you're burning the candle at both ends. And he said, this is what you need to do. You need to slow down, start taking more time off and resting. The man looked at the doctor and said, doctor, I didn't come for a lecture. He said, I came for more wax. (laughs) He He didn't want to stop burning the candle at both ends. He wanted God to sustain him as he was. Now, that may not make sense physically, but it does make sense spiritually. And we need to come to the Lord and say, Lord, as I get older, I don't want to slow down in my Christian life. I don't want to fizzle out in a whimper. I want to go on with you and blaze on consistently for you. Like that burning bush that never burnt up, but burnt on. I want to glow and grow for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the devil wants to throw a fire blanket on your Christian life as you get older. I'll tell you why. He wants to do it for himself because it will please him to see saints not going on with the Lord. He wants to do it because he will deny the Lord your witness. But he knows as well the person who's going to hurt more than anybody is you. Is you. Because one day you're going to need to draw on your faith. One day you're going to need to 
stand on the promises of God and draw on all those years of learning and praying. But if you've given that up or let that fizzle out, you won't have it to draw on. So dear friend, let's be inspired by Caleb, his consistency. How wonderful it would be if perhaps when we reach our 85th birthday, we say maybe not physically, but spiritually, I'm at least as strong as I was then when I was 40 in the Lord. And maybe and hopefully even stronger still. Finally, Caleb inspires me because he was a man of courage. And we see that in verses 12 to 15. He says in verse 12, Now therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there, and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. Caleb uh, was a man who had great courage. When he went into the promised land, he went to the land of Hebron. And he saw the giants there as well as everybody else did. The difference was this. The ten spies who were unfaithful, they came back and they saw big giants and they saw a little God. But Caleb came back with a big God and a little giants. And he said, with God's help, I can claim that land. And this is where he's at, at the end of this chapter. In courage, he says to Caleb, now therefore, give me this mountain. (laughs) You know, old men don't normally want to go up hills. And they don't normally want to fight giants. But Caleb was different. He wanted to conquer the hardest part of the children of Israel's inheritance in the land. He wanted to go where the Anakim were. You say, who are the Anakim? Well, they're, they're, they're not a medicine for headaches. They give headaches. They don't cure headaches. Uh, the Anakim were one of the groups of giants in the land of Israel. Haven't got time to go in there into this, but if you read in the book of Deuteronomy in the early chapters, you'll find there's lots of groups of giants in the land of Israel. Uh, the Reverend Porter wrote a book back in the Victorian age, called The Giant Palaces of Bashan. I managed to pick up a copy of it years ago. And uh, it's a study of, he went, it was a topography book, and he went into the land of Canaan, and he wrote about his experiences in archaeology, finding oversized things, and evidence of the giants, like Goliath, in the land. And one of these, the leader, was a man called Arba, We read about him in verse 15. And the name of Hebron formerly was Kiriath Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim. And Kiriath Arba means uh, the city of Arba. Uh, It can also in Hebrew mean the city of four. Meaning that there were perhaps four giants in that area. Uh, But Caleb wasn't fazed by that. He knew God was with him and the man who was strong in the Lord was more than a match for the greatest of the giants among the Anakim. And he said, humbly, it may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. You see, a man of faith isn't arrogant. He's humble in the way he talks, but his faith was nonetheless in the Lord. And so the Lord 
blessed him with being able to take that land. In the book of Judges, we read uh, about how he conquered this. And in fact, chapter 15 tells us how he inspired his uh, daughter to uh, in, conquer and take parts of the land with her son-in-law, Othniel, son of Kenaz, as well. He was a man of courage, and he didn't say anything like, he said, give me this mountain. Helen Roosevelt was the missionary who wrote the book, Give Me This Mountain, about her remarkable missionary endeavours for the Lord in Africa. And there are Christians today who are still willing to say, I'm going to be brave. I'm going to be brave for the Lord. I'm going to try take on something big for him. Heard about a man who went to the travel agents and he walked in and he looked at a giant map of the world and he said, have you got anything else? <laughs> he wasn't satisfied. And some Christians, you know, they're not satisfied just with what they're always presented with. Uh, you know, just keep it low key and just keep it calm and, uh, you know, just be balanced and you'll be great. Uh, he said, I want, to, I want to conquer for the Lord. I want to reach out. May God give us people of such courage today who are willing to go forward on the promises of God and say, God, give me this mountain. Maybe us here in Kundown, a city on a hill. This is Kundown's a mountain hill. You know, Isaiah 57, verse 13, the Lord says that he will give his holy mountain to those who make him his refuge. What a word for us in the church to be people of courage to go forward in the Lord. And what a city Hebron became. From this city of sin. It became a city of history. Where Abraham, Isaac and Jacob were buried. And actually if you think about it. They were the three greater giants weren't they? <laughs> With Caleb the fourth one. And then it became a city of destiny. Because it was where David was crowned. Even before he was crowned in Jerusalem. And he reigned seven years as king. Over Israel from Hebron. And then it became a city of sanctity because in Leviticus, uh, in Joshua 21, it became a city for the Levites. And Caleb, we read in chapter 21, graciously gave up the city he conquered. And he said, I'll just have the common lands outside. You guys have the city. And he gave the city to the Levites. And best of all, it became a city of mercy because it became, as we see in chapter 20, a city of refuge. What a lot can be achieved if we're courageous and put our trust in the Lord. So dear friends, I hope that Caleb inspires you as he does me. We need to follow such examples. The world is not looking for a new definition of the gospel, but it needs a new demonstration of it. May we be men and women of faith like Caleb and show the world the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's sing our last